Well, good morning, Go Church family. You feel good today? Come on, if you feel good, make some noise in the house. Come on now. Come on real loud right here. Come on. God bless you all. You look great today, by the way. Thanks for joining us in person at our South Metro Atlanta campus. Uh, my wife, Kimberly, and I, we want to welcome everybody. And maybe we've never had the opportunity to meet face-to-face. I do want you to know that before you got here today, you were prayed for and you were prayed over. And we're believing that through the worship and through the word today that God is going to encourage you and touch your heart. And it's a great day, right? Come on, do you believe that? It's a great day today. So thanks for joining us in person. And many of you know this, but we're one church in multiple locations. So we have our South Metro Atlanta family. And then up in the Northeast in Germantown, Maryland, we have our Germantown, Maryland campus family. Uh, This is the fifth month, however, that they've only been able to meet online only. And so we're working diligently on a reentry plan for you all. And we're praying that God is going to orchestrate some things and get you back together really soon. But we welcome our Germantown family who's watching via online, which also allows us to welcome our online campus. Everybody watching literally around the country and around the globe. So everybody in the room, can you welcome everybody online, including our Germantown family? Come on. Come on, let them hear you from the south down here. Come on. And everybody watching online, if, if you want to participate in the chat feature, that'd be fantastic. As a matter of fact, we got a great online campus pastor and staff that is available for you. So if you need anything through this gathering or even if you have a prayer request, drop that in the comment section, that chat section, and they'll jump right in and, and encourage you. And then we've got a weekly tradition before we preach the message. We always pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and the courageous first responders. And you know this already. This is a clapping church. Come on, you figured that out, right? And we, we do clap because there's a lot to be thankful for. But can you put your hands together and let this be your loudest applause of appreciation, honoring those who put their life on the line to protect our lives. Come on now, do it here. Come on like you mean it. We love you. We thank you. We're praying for you. Really, really thankful. Let me give you one quick announcement. We'll get right into the message today. We are in the final week of 21 Days of Prayer Uh, It's been a supernatural couple of weeks with our Go Church family, and we're believing that God can do a whole lot of things in five days. How many of you agree with that? God did a whole lot in three days. He can do a lot in five days. And so if you've not had the opportunity to join with us in person for a prayer gathering, I'd love to extend that invitation to you here at our South Metro Atlantic campus Monday through Friday. We'll be at 6 a.m. in the morning and then 6 p.m. in the evening. And then up in Germantown at our office space in Clarksburg, you'll meet at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so, again, it's been a powerful time of corporate prayer. And uh, if your schedule doesn't allow for you to join us in person or maybe you're not ready for reentry just yet, so you're tuning in online, why don't you make sure to carve out some time this week and pray, seek God, and watch what he does in your life. How many of you know that you serve a God that answers prayer? Come on, we do. We serve a God that answers prayer. And I'm believing that this is going to be a week of miracles in Jesus' name. It's going to be a week of miracles. And so we're excited to hear those testimonies. So join us this week on our final week of 21 days of prayer. Now, here's the reason you came. You wanted to hear a word from the Lord. And I believe that God has put something in my heart to share as the messenger. We're in week number two of a series that we're doing called Idols. And the idea behind the Idol series is when good things become bad. When good things become bad. Now, we kicked off this series last Sunday, so if you weren't able to to be here in person or maybe you missed that message, here's the great thing about technology. All of our gatherings and all of our sermon series and all of our messages are always available on demand. You can access any of those through the, the website or through YouTube. 
Uh, we kicked off this series, and I gave you a working definition, and I'll probably do this each week, so let me encourage you to get something to write with. Take a lot of notes today. Even if this message isn't for you, maybe it's for somebody you know or somebody that you work with or a family member. So take a lot of notes today. If you're going to access your note application through your smartphone, just don't get, you know, all ADD up in here. So stay attentive and focused. But we defined an idol as this. Idols are the things that distract you from God. You could pause in the first half of this definition and realize that now, if this is a true definition, there is a laundry list of potential idols that could be erected in your life. There are a lot of things that could, watch, let's continue, consume our affection. There are a lot of things that could consume our appetite. There are a lot of things that could consume our attention. And that's what an idol is. Anything that would take the affection that should be for God and turn it towards them or Take your appetite or hunger for God and turn it towards them. Or take your attention that should be for God and turn it to them. That becomes an idol. And I think this working definition, again, allows us to recognize that there are quite a few possibilities of what an idol could be in your life and in mine. As a matter of fact, it reminds me of a joke that I wrote this morning. Come on now. And uh, it's definitely a dad joke, but I think you'll appreciate it because whenever you have an idol in your life and you begin to worship that idol, it's known as the sin of idolatry. The joke is this. There's a little boy named Johnny. He leaves Go Church on a Sunday morning, gets in his car, and his mom says, Hey, Johnny, before we grab some lunch, we got to stop by the store for a quick moment. I'll run in and I'll run out. They get to the parking lot. Mom gets out of the car. Little Johnny looks up at the store, and he refuses to get out of the car. He says, Mom, I'm not going in that, car, in that store, rather. He says, there's no way you're getting me out of this car and putting me in that store. And she says, Johnny, come on, it's going to be a quick trip in the store and out of the store. And he says, I'm not going in the store. I refuse to go in the store. And his mom said, Johnny, why won't you go in the store? And he said, because Pastor JC just preached on the sin of a dollar tree. <laughs> come on, that's funny. That, a, dollar, a dollar tree. I told Kimberly that joke when she walked in this morning. Her response was about the same. And I shouldn't have told it, but I've done it a few times. But you're going to think about that joke all day. I guarantee it all day. This is not the sin of a dollar tree. However, I don't know if you can see this up close, but you can get a ribeye steak for $1 at the dollar tree. Come on now. Now that is a joke. So the sin of idolatry, though, is this. Idolatry is when you worship something or when you worship someone that is not God, and there's a huge emphasis on that right there. Someone or something that is not God, you worship them more than the one you worship who is God. So whatever it is that you've elevated, whether knowingly or unknowingly, whoever it is that you've elevated into the seat of priority, into the, the throne of your heart, has now become an idol and you might be practicing the sin of idolatry because that something or that someone you're worshiping more than the one who is God. Now, I don't know what you think of whenever we talk about idols. For most of us, though, our mind immediately goes to a golden statue or a graven image. And here's why. All throughout the Bible, we see where individuals practice worshiping idols that were created by man. And that's what these idols are. Everything that we worship that is not the one true living God has been man-made. It's been created by mankind. If you look in the Bible in Genesis, 
chapter number 31, I believe it's uh, verse number 19, if I'm not mistaken, you have Rachel and Jacob. And they are fleeing from Rachel's father, Laban, and they're going to the land of Canaan. And just before they depart on this trip, Rachel goes back and she steals her father's household gods and she hides them among her belongings. If you read First and Second Chronicles, you'll see history tells us that king after king after king struggled to try to rid the land of idols or at least minimize the land with all of the false gods and all of the false idols that were erected. And this isn't just an, an Old Testament challenge, even in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul, he battled uh, the idolatry that permeated the city of Athens and this is how he combated it. And it's the only way I know to combat it as well, is he would preach Jesus in the synagogue. He would preach that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Can you give me a good amen right there? Because that is truth. And he says, hey, the only way to tear down the idols is to put the King of kings and the Lord of lords back into the place of priority, to tear down the false gods, lowercase g's, that have been erected in your heart and maybe in your home. Now, again, we don't live in a country, at least not in America, where there are on every street corner or in every city these golden statues and graven images. But I told you about this last week. What we do have are modern-day idols. And these modern-day idols are just as dangerous, and lean in, just as false as any of the other false gods or idols that you read of in the Bible. Let me show you this whole list at once, and it's not necessarily an exhaustive list because I think you and I could add to it for days and days and days because anyone and anything can become an idol. But look at this list. you got the idol of stuff. It's materialism, right? could even be the, uh, the love of money. You have the idol of social media or the idol of school or the idol of success or accomplishment or achievement. I know there's go kids in the room, but there's the idol of this three-letter word that is a multi-billion dollar a year making industry because we have allowed the idol of this to take over our culture, the idol of science, the idol of sports. you got the idol of state, which is the idol of politics, right? And, and again, this list could go on and on. We could talk about the idol of, of style or, or the idol of stomach. Yeah, a lot of people, the false god in their lives are golden arches. That's, that's McDonald's, y'all. Come on now. So the list can go on and on, but at the end of the day, when you look at a list like this, here's what we learn, at least here's what I recognize. Idols are not always obvious, but they are always destructive. It is the primary objective of the enemy of your soul to kill, steal, and Destroy. It's his purpose. So every false god that you have lifted up and elevated up, it is destructive in its nature because it provides false hope and brokenness, and it leads to, at the end of the day, sin. Sin. Let me give you a few thoughts on idols. Everybody good today? You feeling all right? Good. Watch this. Three thoughts about idols. Number one, idols are attractive. They are. I, idols are beautiful things. They are, they are attractive things. They are, here's a word, they are alluring. 
and their, and their makeup and the way that they are formed, at the end of the day, the enemy is not going to put something in front of you to distract you from the things of God that you find unattractive. No, the enemy is going to put things in your life that are attractive to you. Now, spoiler alert, I'm not a big fisherman. Come on now. I've been on two deep sea fishing trips in my life. I threw up on both of them from start to finish. Come on. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a fisherman, but I know enough about fishermen to give you this thought. It doesn't matter what kind of state-of-the-art fishing equipment you have. You can have the nicest rod and reel. You can have the most tricked-out bass boat that money can buy. But if you don't have the right bait, pardon the grammar, but you ain't catching no fish. See, at the end of the day, the most important part of fishing is the bait that you use. Or watch this, the lure that you use. Why is it called that? Because nowadays technology has advanced so much that, that they will allow a lure to mimic the motions of a particular insect to draw a particular type of fish that they want to catch. And now it's, watch, shiny and sticky and it moves and all of that. And if you put the right bait in the water, it will attract certain fish. Does that make sense? Yeah, now when I was growing up, we didn't have that kind of modernization in fishing. No, we fished with bologna and macaroni and cheese. Come on, how many of you like that? Took a loaf of bread and went out and caught some brim, but no. And, and as society has, has evolved, so has the attractiveness of idols. Idols are sexy. Sin is attractive. And you think you go back to the beginning of humanity in Genesis chapter number 3, you know, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. They had everything, but they were, they were hungry. They were hangry, y'all. And there on that tree was an attractive piece of fruit. You think they would have eaten the fruit if it was rotten and spoiled and stunk? No, 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 no. What the enemy does is he will put things in your life that are attractive to try to get you distracted from worshiping the one true living God. Here's the other thing about idols. Not only are they attractive, but they're also available. Oh, they're, they're available at a moment, it's 2020, it doesn't become any more available than this. And think about this, I'm not trying to re-preach a point that I just made, but, but this is an attractive piece of technology. It's shiny, it catches your attention, and now they're about to release the iPhone 12 with like 364 cameras on it because 361 cameras just isn't enough. And millions of people they will buy it, and what happens? And the palm of their hands now becomes the availability to whatever idol that they're bowing down to. And again, these things aren't necessarily bad things until you allow them to become your God. And when this becomes your God or any idol becomes your God, now you are practicing the sin of idolatry. What I'm trying to say is this, beware, beware. The enemy is prowling around. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's got, a, he's got a target just for you. And he's trying to create some things, some distractions in your life that are attractive and always available. And here's the third thought about this. Not only are they attractive and available, but they are always a bad idea. You know, I've, I've been alive for almost 40 years. Never once in my life have I bowed down to a false god and said, man, that was a good idea. Never once have I fallen into the trap or to the temptation that the enemy is 
put in front of me, and then I paused and said, man, I am so glad that last night or last week or last month I was just an idiot. It doesn't work that way. No, because we know that it's always a bad idea because the very foundation of these idols is sin. It's sin. And sin, ladies and gentlemen, is destructive. And it is the desire of the enemy. Listen to me. Lean in for a second. I hope you're still with me. You still with me? You got 64 more minutes in this sermon, so hang in there, all right? It is the desire of the enemy to do whatever he can do. Listen to me. To get your eyes off of God. To get your appetite off of God. To get your affection off of God. And I don't don't know if this is helpful or if it's hurtful or what it is, but it is what it is because it's the truth. And the enemy will not stop. He will not stop. He's He's not taking a vacation from trying to tempt you into sin. The enemy's not taking a sick day off giving you a free pass. No, but listen to me. Here is the good news, and this is helpful. Greater is he on the inside of you than he that's in the world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say, no, it's a great place to time out and give Jesus some praise. Come on, do it right there. Come on. Come on in this gathering. Make some noise for Jesus. Come on now. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this modern-day idol list. We're going to talk about a few in the next 20 minutes. Why don't we spend some time on this one? The idol of social media. The idol of social media. Dare I give you the next few weeks in advance, uh, because you may opt to stay home, but I will tell you this. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the idol of state. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to go there. So maybe you could come, or maybe you could bring a friend who could come. Bring yourself a nice little Republican or a Democrat or a good old Libertarian. Bring them into the house of the Lord. Let's talk kingdom business. Is that all right? But today we're going to talk about, is that all right? Good. Let's talk about the idol of social media today. Now, I get it. Not everybody is engaged in social media, but with almost 8 billion people in this planet, half of them use social media every single day. 3.96 billion people have a social media account of some kind, and they are participating in the use of social media. I mean, Kimberly has a social media account. I've got, I've got a Facebook account and all of those things. And here's the thing. Not only are they using it, but they're really spending a lot of time on it. Research says that the average person spends more than one hour and 22 minutes every single day on social media. Think about that for a moment. Now, this is not a message of guilt or shame. This is a guilt-free zone. It's not a message of condemnation, but I think it's appropriate to tell you and then to ask Only you know how much time you spend on social media, right? Only you know that. And and maybe your phone will notify you, you know, what your screen time has been for the week. But if it's an hour and 22 minutes, is that close in how much time you're spending with God? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's a lot of time to spend on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Snapchat, MySpace, come on now. (laughs) I heard about a company that's buying MySpace, Twitter, and Facebook. And in a couple of months, they'll merge it, and it will be called MyTwitFace. Come on, now that's funny. (laughs) That's funny right there. Not only are they spending almost an hour, that's really funny, by the way. Not only are they spending almost an hour and a half every day on social media, but watch this. 99% of everybody on social media is accessing it through this phone. 
right here. It, it blows my mind. This is a random thought, so just track with me for a moment, that there are parts of our globe that are underdeveloped with no drinking water, but they have an iPhone. Think about that. And 99% of the 3.9 billion people that use social media, they are accessing it through something that is easily available. Now, here's why this is important, and I'm going to tie in a few thoughts with this, uh, because the use of that screen time is increased to almost 11 hours every single day that a person is looking at a screen. So that's either their cell phone, their laptop, their iPad, their desktop, their work computer, their home computer, their, their TV screen. Imagine this, that on average, 11 hours every single day, somebody is watching a screen. No, no one is as guilty as I am, but how different would my life be if I spent less time watching the screen and more time worshiping a Savior? Thank you to the three of you that agreed with me there. So let me do this. Let me give you this thought. How do you know if social media has become an idol? I'm going to give you five warning signs today that will allow you to recognize if, if something like Facebook or Instagram or what, whatever other type of social media applications there are, if they've become an idol. Five things. I hope you're writing these down. Come on. Number one is this. Social media is an idol in your life if it's the first thing you check when you wake up. So as soon as, as soon as your eyelids open to the sound of the alarm clock that you hit snooze on for a moment and you just reach for your phone and you get on social media, maybe, just maybe, this has become an idol in your life. I think for some of you, the first thing you do is you grab your phone, you go to the bathroom, and come on, fellas, you sit on the toilet for like 30 minutes, the first 30 minutes of your day, scrolling through social media. Your, your wife's like, are you all right in there? Like, come on. Imagine that. I've told you this in different sermons before, but the Bible says in Matthew 6, this is a foundational verse of Christianity, by the way, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God will add everything else unto it. Don't seek God second or seek God third. You've heard me use this quick little, you know, um, tweet, tweetable phrase before. You got to get off of Facebook, get your face in God's book. It's the first thing that you have to do. Somebody told me one time, and I've held on to this for years, if you get up before the sun comes up, God will meet you there. He will meet you there. And for some of you, there should be a little bit of conviction as I'm sharing this thought because if it, the first thing you do is check how many likes or hearts or retweets you got versus checking your heart to make sure it's in alignment with Jesus, this might be an idol in your life. Can I get like three people that would give me an amen right there? You got you to gotta start your day with quiet time. Quiet time. And I, I got a long way to go in my, in my walk with Christ. I'm a, I am a massive work in progress. And every time I feel like I've made incredible progress, JC does something dumb and I take a few steps back. But one thing I've been practicing so much in recent days, weeks, and months is I'm getting up early. I'm getting up early before the family gets up, before the kids get up. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on my social media. As a matter of fact, I've I've taken a break from social media, and I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But it feels, it feels very liberating 
to allow the first thing I do is let there be praise on my lips that God has given me another day. The fact that he woke me up this morning and he put me in my right mind. I've got a lot to be thankful for. And it feels good to, to open up the Bible and just, and just soap in the word, wash in the word, read the word, and offer up thanksgiving and prayer to God versus wasting my time and wasting my life looking at everybody else's bubble and everybody else's world. So if the first thing you do when you get up, you check social media, maybe it's an idol. Here's another way you know it's become an idol. If checking social media is the last thing you do when you go to bed, it's the last thing I do. Before I go to sleep, you would say, I'm just going to check Twitter one more time. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but it's no wonder that so many people wrestle with sleeplessness and sleep disorder. Man, you, look, right before you try to close your eyes, you fill your mind and your heart with what? Political garbage? What? Family drama? I follow some of y'all. Y'all got some crazy families out there. Well, what does that help? What, what happens, and we'll talk more about the effects of social media in a moment, but you try to go to sleep and you get on, you get on social media and what, your blood pressure rises? Or you see a family post about how perfect their family is and you just yelled at your kids because you swear they're demon-possessed? And, and you know, on Facebook and Twitter and all of that, everybody is only posting the perfect parts of their family. They're as jacked up as your family is and as jacked up as my family is. But everybody's got their cute little Olin Mills photo post, don't they? Yeah, and you lay down at night and you see how perfect the Smiths are and then you get all angry. And now, now not only do you hate the Smiths, but now you hate your family even more. And you wonder why you can't sleep. I'm just going to challenge you. Can you take a challenge? For the next five days, delete it. Delete it. See what happens. See what happens to the stress, the anxiety. See about the peace in your mind. And your, I'm not against social media. As a matter of fact, thank God for social media and the day of COVID-19. Listen to me. We leverage social media to perpetuate the gospel. But watch this. We never substituted social media for the Holy Spirit. We supplemented the Holy Spirit with social media. Do you get that? We never allowed social media to become our God. I told the team, if social media don't work to reach people, we'll find another way. Too many people. It's the first thing they do when they get up. It's the last thing they do when they go to bed. Here's how you know it's an, an idol in your life. Number three is this. It distracts you from spending quality time with God. An hour and 22 minutes every day. Hey, I'm guilty. Listen to me. And then we say what to the Lord? I, I've been too busy today. I'm sorry. We carve out five minutes with Jesus. So, so what? Man, and I, you got to know me, and I hope you do. If you're visiting today, I'm not, I'm not an angry preacher. That's not me, but somebody needs to call it out. Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Somebody, you don't go to the doctor and get mad when they prescribe you medication. Don't come in here and get upset when I give you the gospel. I'm on a roll today with my dad jokes. I'm all up in that. My God, that was good. And I heard, I heard an old song one time. Uh, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. 
give me Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain 5,000 followers on Facebook, and yet when you stand before him on your day of judgment, he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never even knew you. Wow. Man, Lord, forget, forget you all for a minute. God, I'm sorry. Me, I'm sorry for how much time I've spent on social media and it's distracted me from quality time with you. The Bible says, and you don't hear this 40 plus times in this series. The Bible says that he is a jealous God. He's jealous after you. He's jealous when you choose social media over time with him. He does not want to be second place in your life. He doesn't want to compete with any other lowercase g God in your life. He wants you, intimacy with you. God created you on purpose and for purpose. And listen, if God was done with you, you'd be done in this world. But because there is breath in your lungs, because there is blood flowing in your veins, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and he desires to spend time with you. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Oh, come on, let's do it well. Come on. Yeah. I got to hurry. I got a lot to say and my time's running out. You know, social media has become an idol in your life when you turn to social media before you turn to God. I see this all the time on, on Facebook, especially Facebook. Everybody putting out their business on Facebook. And I'm not just talking about the chatty women of noon and Facebook page either. Like people will literally put family drama, family business, I've seen people, this has never happened with my staff, but I've seen people complain about their boss online. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. I mean, they, they, will, they will take all of their frustrations, all of their complaints, all of their worries, all of their fears, and they will post them online instead of posturing themselves on their knees. Let me tell you this. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7. I'll always remember 1 Peter 5, 7 because I remember it as Peter drove a 57 Chevy. It says, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. I don't have to take my worries and my burdens to Facebook. No, I can take my burdens. Psalm 55, I believe it's verse number two perhaps, says, take your burdens to the Lord. Who cares about you any more than God cares about you? God is concerned over you, and he's praying through the Holy Spirit on your behalf. God just wants conversation, and God wants to be put back into the right seat of priority. Stop turning to social media before you turn to God. God is always available, 24-7, 365. And then the final thought here on these warning signs is this. You know social media has become an idol when you care more about what your followers think than you do what God thinks. Listen, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And it's not just COVID-19. No, it's the disease to please. It's dangerous. And it is an epidemic that is sweeping across this globe where people care far too much what everybody else thinks about them. Listen to me respectfully. I live my life for the audience of one. And his name is Jesus because one day, unless Jesus comes back, which could literally happen any moment, 
we will all pass away and we will all stand before our maker. And on that day, he is our judge. He is our righteous judge. And the opinions of everybody else in that moment about me do not matter. The only opinion that matters is the opinion of God and what he thinks of me. And if my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. So I'm just going to challenge you and warn you. Stop being so concerned about what everybody else thinks and start working on what does God think about me? What does he think about me? So what do we do? I got I to give you the back half of this or this whole message will feel somewhat incomplete. So how do we tear down the idol of social media? I'm going to give you all three here and then we will uh, explain it here in a moment. Learn, limit, and love. As a matter of fact, everybody online, everybody in the room, Let's read these three together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Learn, limit, love. Do it again. Learn, limit, love. Are you learning what the effects of social media does to you? Do you even know? We talked about high blood pressure. We talked about increased anxiety. We talked about restlessness and sleeplessness. We talked about the comparison trap, which often leads to bitterness. Um, and, And by the way, Those aren't just suggestions. Those are factual research that has been done to prove what social media can do to an individual. Right? Do you know what it can do to you? Do you realize what it's doing to you? You know, one of the reasons I got off social media as a a social media fast, if you will, is because of what it was doing to my mind and my heart. And I'd, I'd get on there and I'd read things and I'd see things and it just was creating some unhealthy thoughts and habits and things in my life. I, I was so angry at people for the way that they were responding and posting and tearing each other down. And, you know, and I felt myself wanting to, to comment back, you know, because I don't know if anybody's taken the Enneagram, but I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which means I'm, I'm all about justice and protecting those who can't protect themselves. And I found myself almost getting into these digital fights with people. And I just thought, you know what, is it worth it? Now, I, I, again, I got a long way to go, but I want to surround myself with people and things that push me to be a better godly man. I don't want to be a part of stuff that makes me worse. I, I'm, I'm already bad enough. I don't need any help making me badder. Need help making me a worse person. And I don't know how long this time away will, will last, but I can tell you this: social media ain't miss me, and I ain't miss social media. I just say it's just the truth. As a matter of fact, somebody told me the other day, they said, Hey, I saw you've been off social media. Listen, you've lost a lot of followers lately. Oh. You know what my response was? Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. I'm learning. I, I got to learn. I, I, by nature, I have an addictive personality. I have to create guardrails and boundaries to know what I know to protect myself from falling into the trap that the enemy has set in front of me. Let's talk about limit. You got to set limitations. Um, schedule a digital Sabbath. You got to write that down, a digital Sabbath. You know, a really popular dieting trend right now is intermittent fasting. Do that with social media. What blocks of the day do you refuse to get on social media? 
what seasons of the year are you going to remove social media from, you know, access on your smartphone or computer so that you can really focus in on, on God? I mean, a perfect time is the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do that twice a year. That's 42 days out of the year at least that you could limit your access to social media. Watch this. Get some accountability in your life. Some people that will that'll really challenge you and ask you the hard questions. Have you spent more time on Facebook today or more time in God's book? Have you spent more time on your Instagram story or more time developing your own story? This is a good message today. Right? Get some people that will hold you accountable. And then, and then leverage the technology of your smartphone. It will show you your screen time. You can go into your settings and block certain applications. And here's something that I do when I don't want to get on social media, like in this season, I'll either A, um, log out of all of the social media accounts so that when the habit is to go to them, I'm logged out. Y'all, I can't remember what I have for breakfast. There's no way I'm remembering my login credentials. Or delete the app altogether. You've got to learn so that you can limit and then watch. And now you can love. Love. Let me say it to you like this. Stop scrolling and start serving. We are never more like Christ than when we serve people. Saved people serve people. All of your scrolling is not making an eternal difference. But being the hands and feet of Jesus. This isn't just for a push for the upcoming serve days that we have. But 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us, watch, that you are to use whatever gifts you've been given to serve others. Stop scrolling and start serving. Do you hear that today? Listen to me. Learn, limit, and love. That's how you tear down the idol of social media. All right, I'm done. I always close with a question. I hope that you appreciate kind of the homework assignment, and here it is for today. Has social media become an idol in your life? And if it has, now you've got a responsibility. What, what next steps are you willing to take to tear it down? To tear it down. You know what? There's a lot of young people in this room, from kids to middle schoolers to high schoolers. You know, I haven't uh, preached to a youth group in a while, so I'm probably not, you know, cool like I used to be. I used to be really cool. Come on now. There was a time. Remember, Kimberly? You, you remember that. I love you so much. But I hope you heard this message too. Even from this old preacher on this stage, don't let Facebook the reason you missed out on heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word promises to never return void. And so God... Thank you for allowing me the beautiful responsibility to communicate the gospel, the truth of life. Whatever work the Holy Spirit is doing and needs to do to let this word penetrate to the hearts and minds of your sons and daughters, let it begin now. We will not stand any longer for the false idols, the false gods that we've erected in our hearts and homes. It's time to tear them down and to put you back on the right seat of priority, to make you king of kings and Lord of Lords, this is the moment. Today is the day that we commit our life to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen.